There are so many times when parents and other adults wonder what they can or should say to the children who ask about justice and race and killings, what's right and what's wrong. Do you know what to say? Today's guest is here to help us with some of the tough questions. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, and you are listening to Mind Talk. Today's guest is one of the co-authors, along with Drs. Marietta Collins and Anne Hazard, and her name is Dr. Marianne Chilano, and she is the lead author of Something Happened in Our Town, a child's story about racial injustice. Dr. Chilano, welcome to Mind Talk. Thank you for having me. Now, Dr. Chilano, you are a child psychologist um, from Atlanta, and the book is for children four to eight. Correct. Some people listening may think, wow, four years old? Isn't that kind of early to start talking, talking about such complicated things as racial injustice? And that's a really good question. Um, We believe that kids as young as four um, hear about things like police shootings of unarmed African-American individuals. They hear about it on um, social media or they hear about it from older brothers and sisters or on the news or from their parents. And we think that these kids have questions about what happened. Um, might be concerned about what it means for them or for their friends. And so the book really offers a way for parents and teachers to begin to explain the history and power of racial bias against African Americans in the United States uh, and how these patterns have contributed to these um, unfortunate police shootings. And it also teaches children, we hope, to fight racial bias and, and create better patterns in their interactions with their peers. I have to say, um, Dr. Chilano, that I'm actually holding a copy of the book in my hand. And one of the things that strikes me about it is it's a complicated subject that uh, you are addressing, but it looks like a children's book. It feels like a children's book. It's larger. It's got lots of wonderful pictures, actually. So Mm -hmm. it's not intimidating at all to children or to parents in the way that the subject matter might be. Right, and I thank you for mentioning the illustrations. It's, the book is illustrated by Jennifer Zivoin, and we really love her illustrations that just draw you right into the story. Um, it's meant to capture children's attention and to help break down concepts that are really hard to understand for young children like racial injustice into specific actions and behaviors that they can relate to, like being excluded from something, like a birthday party. And so we give examples that we think have more relevance to their lives. And also, after the story, there is a guide for parents, um, a note to parents and caregivers that um, provides general guidelines for how to talk to children about racial injustice, um, some sample dialogues, questions and answers, and definitions. So there are some um, uh, words specifically for adults at the back of the book. The name of the book, Something Happened in Our Town, A Child's Story About Racial Injustice. The name is so fitting to, quite frankly, what's going on in so many of our lives today. Correct, unfortunately. Tell us a little bit about something happened in our town. What's the basic premise of this story? 
So it opens with um, a, a, an illustration of um, sort of a city street, and it starts quite directly. Something happened in our town. The news was on the TV, the radio, and the Internet. The grown-ups didn't think the kids knew about it, but the kids in Ms. Garcia's class heard some older kids talking about it, and they had questions. And so it's, it starts that way deliberately to draw you in, because it could be anything. And it is often true that the grown-ups are talking about it and don't think the kids know about it, whatever it is. And then the book follows the story of two children, Emma, who's white, and Josh, who is black, as they talk about the incident with their parents and their families. There's an older sibling in each family. Um, the incident is a police shooting of an African-American man. And they uh, learn from their parents, um, you know, they ask their parents the questions that kids have about these things. Why did it happen? Will the police officer go to jail? Um, and then they apply what the lessons they've learned from their parents to the situation in school of an immigrant child coming into their class, not speaking English very well and being excluded from a soccer game. And so the, the protagonists in the story um, apply the lessons they've learned to that situation and, and stand up for that immigrant child um, so that they are actually countering racial injustice in another situation at the end of the book. One of the things that's so interesting about uh, Emma and Jason uh, is that um, their parents come from very different perspectives. Emma is a little white girl, and Jason is not. Uh, they come mm -hmm. from uh, very different perspectives. They have a very different take on what's going on. And the, the sort of the frustration and the concerns that both parents express are very appropriate for those parents given their particular lifestyles. So I think it's really handled very well. Yeah, thank you. We thought it would be important for the parents' explanations to be um, something young kids could understand but also accurate. <laughs> right, and reflective of history. So, for example, the white family, when Emma says, you know, they, they talk about, um, I guess the initial talk is um, that, that the police uh, the police shot that man because, uh, you know, uh, it was not a mistake, in other words. So the mother says it was a mistake. I feel sad for the man and his family. And then the father says, yeah, the policeman thought that the African-American man had a gun. And then the older sister chimes in, it wasn't a mistake. The cop shot him because he was black. And so we wanted to have that sort of differences of opinion within the family. But then after some discussion of what black is and what slavery is, um, the girl goes, did our family do those bad things a long time ago? And the mother says, yes. Back then, many white people thought that they were better than black people, even though it wasn't true. And then the older sister says, some white people still think most black men and boys are dangerous, even though they're not. And then this was the hardest part to write in some ways. The Emma asks, was the man that got shot dangerous? And the mother goes, no, shooting him was a mistake. It was a mistake that is part of a pattern. Um, and she says, like the pattern on my blanket? Um, and the mom says, yes, but this pattern is being nice to white people and mean to black people. It's an unfair pattern. It was hard to come up with a, a way to sort of, you know, make a abstract concept like this um, uh, concrete enough for kids to understand, right? And then the white family goes on to talk about exclusion and 
Um, the older sister says, you know, uh, if you excluded kids, you'd be missing out because you never know who's going to be your best friend. And so we sort of get across the message that diversity is not something to be tolerated. It's something to be celebrated, right? Um, and then with the black family, we had the boy saying, do police go to jail? Um, and the mom says, well, what he did was wrong. Um, and the father will say, but, but he won't go to jail. Cops stick up for each other, says an older brother. And then the boy, Josh, is confused. He goes, why? Some police are black. And, you know, the family says you're right, you know, and points out uh, relatives that are police officers and friends. And the father says there are many cops, black and white, make good choices, but we can't always count on them to do what's right. Um, and the older brother says, I could get stopped by the police just because I'm black, even if I don't do anything wrong. Um, and so there's some discussion of that. And then there's a discussion of how, you know, the father says, we're, or the mother, rather, we're proud of who we are. Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King Jr., and Nelson Mandela were strong and brave black leaders. They showed us we can stand up for our rights and set a good, good examples for others. And they talk about the importance of standing up for others. And then the father gets angry and says, some people haven't learned yet. And um, Josh says, why are you mad? And the father says, I'm mad that we're still treated poorly, but I can use my anger to make things better. Black people have a lot of power if we work together to make changes. Um, and there's an illustration of a protest in front of the Washington Monument. And the boy goes, I have power and I'm smart. And the father says, you're right. You know, and they give him, you know, they're, they're bolstering his confidence Absolutely. to stick up for people. Or treated unfairly. Dr. Chicano, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will continue. realize that as we were talking a moment ago, I renamed Josh Jason. So let me correct myself. It is Emma and Josh who are the stars of Something Happened in Our Town, a child's story about racial injustice. Dr. Chilano, in terms of talking to your children, uh, again, this book is written for children who were four to eight years old. Is there a preferred age or a recommended age that you would suggest parents start talking to their children about differences and perhaps that's a way to begin the conversation? Um, as far as a recommended age, I feel like parents know their children pretty well. And even though the book is written for kids four to eight, you know, some four-year-olds may not be ready. And there are several nine and ten-year-olds who would find the book helpful. So I feel like it's up to parents' um, discretion about when their children are ready for a book like this. But I also feel it's important to point out that research shows that children first grade and younger really benefit from direct instruction about countering racial injustice 
older children tend to use or tend to rely more on their own experience in interacting in the world um, in sort of coming, developing their own racial attitudes. But for younger children, they really um, rely more on direct instruction, and direct instruction is much more impactful. Having said that, how to start the conversation may depend on what the child brings home. So, for example, if the child asks a question, like some that are featured in the back of the book, um, that may be a jumping-off point for uh, a discussion about racial injustice. Um, If the child never brings home a question, that doesn't mean the child isn't developing some racial attitudes that the parent may or may not know about or may or may not feel are um, consistent with those of the parent or of the family. So I think it's fine to just open the book and start reading it, though I would encourage parents to um, read the guide in the back before um, reading the book to their children. Um, we've read the book to, ch- to uh, groups of children as young as four and I think as old as nine or ten. And there, it is true that some four-year-olds have a hard time sitting still for the whole reading of the book. And so I think that for um, younger children, sometimes you have to read the book uh, in segments, right, and maybe um, have some discussion to keep their interest and to make sure they're understanding the concepts. And, you know, there's, with four- and five-year-olds, we talk a little bit about the illustrations and what's going on in, in the illustrations And I think it's important to point out here that on the publisher's website, there's a free read-aloud guide for parents and teachers who need some ideas or would benefit from some ideas on how to make the reading more developmentally relevant to young children. That's wonderful. What is that website address? So it's um, it's the the publisher is Imagination Press, M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N, and then press, and you just Google Imagination Press. It's um, www.apa.org slash pubs slash imagination is the website. But you could just Google Imagination Press, and it'll come right up. And the fact that there's a guide there is, again, so useful to, to parents, to just adults in general. What do you do as a parent if you discover that you're, as, as in the situation with Emma and Josh, they heard about it in school, and they may not mm-hmm. have, parents may not have been prepared to have this conversation, but the children come home with it. What do you say to teachers and to parents about that kind of a situation? Well, you know, as parents, we're not, we're often not prepared for what our kids bring home for, you know, to us. They bring all sorts of questions to us, not just about race, but about sex and all sorts of other things. And we're often not prepared to answer their questions. I think it's important whenever kids ask questions to um, not dismiss their questions, right? Because, Uh, In doing so, we may inadvertently convey that what they're asking about is a taboo topic or something that makes us uncomfortable. So if a child comes home with a question about this or, um, you know, says, what is it, why why did that police shoot that black man or how come this happened, it's important for parents to say, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm going to think about it some, try to find out, and then we'll talk about it later, right? And then the parent should follow up. Um, we don't have to have all the answers all the time for our kids. It's important that we validate their questions, however, and then come back to them when we can. Um, because, you know, somebody once said parenting is mostly what you do when you're thinking about something else. Right? <laughs> so we're, we're constantly multitasking. You know, sometimes you have to, you know, get to a different place, 
you know, do your research, think about it, and then come back to your child with your answer. When your uh, child is talking to you about these complicated issues, uh, one of the recommendations that you make is that you teach your children to be assertive but non-aggressive if they are feeling safe in doing so. And the difference between assertive and non-aggressive can be challenging for adults. How do you explain that to children? That is a really excellent question. Um, Well, part of how we explain it is we model it in our own interactions, right? So I think it's important if you're a parent trying to teach your child to be assertive, not aggressive, that you model assertiveness. Um, And so you treat others with respect, you know, without a hostile tone, but with a firm tone um, if you're asserting yourself. Uh, such as in a, you know, in a non-racially charged situation, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know, an experience with a cashier who gives you the wrong change or something like that. Um, we uh, had situations modeled in the book where um, the kids, other kids and the protagonists uh, confront peers about teasing, you know, and they, they say, step off, you know, they're assertive, but they're not hostile, Um, And we thought it was important to show examples of how kids can be assertive and stick up for each other and for themselves without um, bullying other children. But it's a fine line, and it is hard to teach kids. Um, I think really the best way to teach it, in addition to just being um, very direct and talking about the difference as much as you can in words that the kids can understand, so in addition to direct instruction, I think the best way of teaching it is modeling it for your children. Speaking of modeling, we are certainly living in a world where uh, we are all uh, getting some modeling that may be challenging for some of us. We are exposed to leaders who are behaving in ways that some of us find distasteful, using language, expressing ideals and beliefs that uh, some of us may object to. If we're telling our children that such things are wrong, as as you do when something happened in our town, how do we explain what they're seeing and hearing in the media about real live people and real live behaviors? Well, that is the million-dollar question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is part of why we wrote this book. I mean, we, you know, you have to counter the messages that kids see on the media, and sometimes we don't want our children to follow the examples set by you know, political leaders or others that they see on the media or or news reports. So, you know, we feel like it's important for parents to say, this is how our family is. Uh, We like people based on how they act, not on how they were born or their skin color. Um, Our family doesn't do that. You know, we believe that people should be treated fairly and no one should be excluded. Um, And so I think in some ways um, the the sociocultural context you're describing creates even more um, pressure, I think, for parents to um, put forth their moral message, right? Um, And that's part of why we wrote the book. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will continue with Dr. Marianne Chilano, uh, author of Something Happened in Our Town, a child's story about racial injustice. She's the co-author with Dr. Marietta Collins and Dr. Ann Hazard. We'll be right back. 
Dr. Chilano, I noticed that you, when you talk about uh, telling your children the difference between how someone else may act and how your household acts, you focus on what your household does, what your family does, and you don't start casting aspersions at the other family and what they do. So even in that, you're modeling a way to think about responding to other people not calling them names not saying they're wrong but just saying this is what we believe this is what we do right and and i use the example of family some families may think broader than that and i might say we our community our church whatever um, whatever the we is for an individual parent Um, but right i mean i think it makes sense to say this is how we do it you know this is in our family this is how we do it Um, so that the child you know, children naturally, um, developmentally, they're trying to grasp what the rules are, what the social norms are, and how they can fit in, and how what they do, you know, they're developing their own identity. And so putting it forth that way makes more developmental sense. And also, um, you know, there's what's the point in having children hear their parents criticize other people? That models criticism. So, you know, I feel like this is a more positive, you know, sort of pro-social message. What about letting your children watch, I was going to say letting your children watch the news, but we are surrounded by so many media options. I don't know. How how do you deal with your youngster who might be exposed to all of this? Do you deny them the opportunity to hear the news or look at the news or what do you do? Well, that's kind of a loaded question because I don't even let myself watch the news sometimes. I have to control my own access to the news. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think, and there's so many different, you know, it used to be there are only three options or four options for the news, and now there's, you know, it seems an infinite number of ways that you can gain access to the news and different slants on the news. Um, You know, I think that if you're going to have something on in your house, like on the TV where everyone is, then you have to be prepared to talk about it at some point. If not then, then then later. And, you know, many parents in this day and age are very protective of their children have access to in terms of, particularly in terms of visual images. You know, parents are much less, um, I I don't know, I think when it comes to uh, auditory, the auditory channels such as, you know, radio and things like that, you know, what's on in the car, for example, they, they may not feel like the kids are really listening. But sometimes kids' questions later show that they were listening. Um, so, you know, I think, but the visual imagery um, can, can be particularly, um, I think, stressful for kids if they don't have a context within which to understand it. And, you know, many children seeing uh, images of police violence or really any kind of violence on TV may feel 
like that's coming to their community or is in their community or they might be next or more commonly that their older sibling might be next. Um, so we've had several children in the four to eight, eight-year-old age range uh, not feel personally threatened um, but may feel like their older siblings are threatened. Um, so it's important to think about what's on and what they have access to and then be prepared to have a conversation with them about it. The issue of people with different complexions, do you address that issue in the book? So we don't um, address it in the book except for when Emma says, uh, let's see if I can find it, um, the cop shot him because he was black, says the older sister, and the younger uh, sister, Emma, white, the white girl, says he's brown, not black, uh, <laughs> which is a common thing for young children. They don't, right. they don't necessarily recognize race that way. I mean, even my own daughter described different uh, peers as tan, light brown, <laughs> dark brown. And so the, um, the father explains that some black people have dark brown skin and some have light brown skin. And black usually means African-American, and most of their ancestors were brought here from Africa as slaves. And then there's a discussion of slavery. Um, in the back of the book, we sort of talk about that as well. And in the, uh, f- um, at the publisher website, there's some free online resources with lots of lists of books that address this. Um, uh, we feel like um, it's important to sort of understand children's language. Um, like a lot of kids will say, you know, tan and things like that. But it's also important to, um, you know, to, to educate them about how, and this is part of sort of race-conscious parenting, right? To, to ed- you can use their terms as well, but you can also educate them and say, yeah, when we say, you know, tan and light brown and dark brown, you know, we usually call that black, you know, in this country. We usually call that black. Um, and the kind of skin you have, Emma, you know, if you're talking to the white girl, which is kind of a beige color or a peachy color, however, we usually call that white. You know, so that, it, you know, it's important for us to educate kids about what the terms are, but also to be accepting of the, com- of the terms that they spontaneously come up with, like tan. Right. Dr. Chilano, I understand that you and your colleagues are to be congratulated for a rather impressive award you received. Yes, we just found out, I think a week ago, that we won the National Parenting Product Award, which is an honor, and we um, are pleased that this organization has recognized the book. Um, so um, we're, we're hopeful that that will... Thank you. We're hopeful that more people read the book and promote its message of social justice. Thank you so much, Dr. Chilano, for joining us today. And I have to thank you and your colleagues for writing such an important book that, you know, there's some folks who are uh, 18 and 20 who might uh, benefit from this. But that's probably another conversation. (laughs) Dr. Marianne Chilano, uh, author with Dr. Marietta Collins and Dr. Ann Hazard of Something Happened in Our Town, a child story about racial injustice and you can get more information about the book, more ideas about how to talk to your children by simply doing a Google search of Imagination Press and Dr. Chilano, would you just spell that for us one more time? Sure, Imagination is M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N Press and it's an imprint of the American Psychological Association. Wonderful, thank you again so much Dr. Chilano. 
Thank you. And folks, thank you for joining us on this edition of Mind Talk, which is brought to you as a daily educational public service, and it's not intended to replace any work that you might choose to do with a mental, medical health, or other professional. You can always listen to Mind Talk on demand by going to mindtalk.org. If you'd like to be in touch with me directly, just send an email to Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at mindtalk.org. That's M-Y-N-D. T-A-L-K dot O-R-G. And remember always, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. You take care. Thank you.